Hello friends, Ryan Gard coming to you live from the kitchen table. I've got some alone time, so I've got some time to uh, share with you guys a little bit of what we talked about this morning. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, we did kick the morning off just by talking about the 250th mass shooting uh, in America just in this year. It was the 215th day of the year. So since January 1st, we've had 250 mass shootings in 215 days. That's ridiculous. It's not even one a day. We're 35 ahead of that. So a million things that should be said, can be said, have been said. I join my voice in absolutely condemning this madness. It's just exhausting. Um, and it's fixable. New Zealand had one mass shooting, and they banned semi-assault rifles immediately. One one shooting, and they were like, oh, this is absolutely terrible. We should fix this. We're 249 ahead of that. And we still call ourselves the greatest country on the planet. If this doesn't make you mad, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to even talk to you about it. And we blame mental illness, and that's the scapegoat. You blame video games. You know video games exist everywhere. And we are still 247 ahead of number two this year in mass shootings. Check my math on that. It's unbelievable. Uh, this last one, I didn't look into him or the situation enough yet. I haven't had time, but apparently he's a white supremacist. It's a freaking joke because for the, I don't know how many day in a row, white supremacists have proven without a doubt that they are anything but supreme. Uh, I just, it's just a joke. And so they're all scared little boys with assault rifles shooting crap in their backyard because they have nothing better to do. And they take all that anger and frustration and rage out to innocent people freaking shopping at Walmart. It's, it's bonkers. And if you're still defending it, I don't, I don't understand. I just don't understand. I don't understand. And I'll never understand how this is more important than kids, innocent people just being able to go shopping or to the mall. Or anywhere for that matter. So, uh, so the reason that I wanted to share the rest of what we shared this morning is because um, it it really fits in with what's happening right now. There really is such a clear division. You already know that in America, it seems like there's really two parties, and then this fledgling independent, we don't have a side sort of party. And that there's just two really strong polarized sides and they're split on like babies and guns uh, which is such a joke but I told the story this morning of my new neighbor he's not new I moved in like February and day one uh, this guy he's such a nice guy man he knocks on my door uh, we just I think we were like I think I was just like unpacking boxes still and he knocks on the door and I open the door and he's super friendly and welcoming and and he uh Welcomes me to the neighborhood and says, you know, cup of sugar, the whole thing. He just, we're here, blah, blah, blah. Can't wait to get to know you. And then I, he asks me what I do. And sometimes I don't like to tell people. It's clear why I don't like to tell people. Uh, some pastors aren't exactly getting the best rap these days for good reason. Um, so I tell him, though, like, oh, you know, I work at a church. Um, oh, what do you do? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, great. And he finally says, well, it's great to have a brother on the street, you know, like a brother in Christ. I was like, amen, you know, or whatever I said. 
And then the next day he knocked again. I was like, where did we move? This is crazy. But I liked it. It was cool. He knocked again, but this time his face was real somber. And he tells me the story of our neighbor two doors down. It was a woman who lived a couple doors down. And he's telling me she's dying. And she's basically on her deathbed. And he's telling me this. And he says, you're a pastor, so can you pray for her? And, you know, partly I kind of wanted to go, and you can too, you know, but... Yeah, in that moment, I mean, there's a woman down the street. She's dying. He wants me to pray for her. And then he says, you know, because I don't think she's a believer. And, you know, like, that, that's all that matters, man. That's all that matters on this planet. It's all that matters is, you know, crossing that line of faith. So maybe you can meet with her. And so I immediately, you know, I'm like, oh, gosh, okay. That's not all that matters. I didn't say that. But I'd be happy to meet with her. I'd be happy to go down there. Happy to. So I'm learning a little bit about him. He's uh, got a certain worldview and certain understanding. And I go, oh, that's cool. It's rooted in goodness. It's rooted in a good heart. And then I bump into him, I, let's just say the next day, because it has a good rhythm, but it, it, really soon after. And we're talking, but and then I notice his sweater, and he's got this, like, black sweater on. And it's got a picture of an assault rifle, like a white drawing of an assault rifle. Um, well, like a, you know, it looks, looks like a sticker or whatever. And it says in the caption underneath it, come and get them. Sort of like a hands out, let's go, come on, come and get them, come and get them. So again, I formed my entire worldview of this man, this understanding of him uh, pretty quickly. And I'm not saying that was the right thing to do, but uh, based on the evidence that I had, I thought I knew him pretty well. Uh, I jumped to a million conclusions about him and I'm probably still thinking those things about him. Uh, because uh, he then found out uh, about our church. He asked someone about us, and I haven't talked to him since. Like, he has avoided me <laughs> like the plague. Day one, knock, knock, knock. Day two, knock, knock, knock. Uh, and then he finds out, you know, as a church, we don't see eye to eye on some things uh, that he does. And so now I'm this, he's... Clearly, I'm assuming, uh, formed a whole picture of me just based on a handful of things. So we're like two doors away from each other, three doors away. And I haven't talked to him since. Well, we did small talk once. We kind of crossed paths. And it's like, that. oh, we have to say something to each other because we're sharing the same space. And uh, I'm already awkward, but not in these situations. Nobody, uh, nobody really makes me feel awkward anymore. Kind of comfy in this, this old skin, but... <laughs> old skin. It's gross. And... Yeah, we haven't talked. And so I say that because I've made judgments on him, and I, I'm assuming he's made judgments on me. And maybe my judgment of him is that I'm assuming he's... It's complicated. So I want to go to Matthew 7, because Jesus is going to get real up in my face this afternoon about this. And he says in verse 1, Matthew 7, still in the Beatitudes. I won't leave the Beatitudes because... Um, well, we had our 250th mass shooting this year, and nobody's doing anything about it. And Matthew 5, 6, and 7 have a lot to say. Uh, but here's one. It says, do not judge, Matthew 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. It's like the closest Jesus gets to Christian karma. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Sounds like what goes around comes around. But do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And uh, it says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank, it's a large piece of wood, in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then it gets like Tarantino shift. Do, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So he goes from do not judge and that morphs into this illustration about like planks and specks and he's gone straight theater. He's talking about like plank coming out of your face and a speck of sawdust in your buddy and, uh, and then all of a sudden dogs and pigs and pearls. It's like the most random assortment of illustrations that, that he could find. But it turns out he's uh, brilliant. He's just brilliant and I want to unpack it because it's just fascinating. Uh, and helpful and much needed, I think, for me at least. And so uh, this, is, this is important. Um, there's three different distinctions or ways that that word judge is used in the New Testament. Uh, it's the word krino. That's a kind of a rough translate, krino, K-R-I-N-O in the Greek. Um, and it's used three different ways. So Titus 3.12 is the first spot that I want to look at. It's, um, it says, as soon as I heard Artemis or Tychicus, uh, to you, I'm sorry, as soon as I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, because I have, Crenode, I have decided to winter there. I love that phrase, because I've decided to winter there. But Paul's saying, uh, as soon as I send uh, Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, I can't say it, because I've decided I have Crenode. I've made a decision. That's what he means. It's to decide. That's that word, judge. It's krino. It's right there in the Greek. I have krinoed uh, to winter there. I've made a decision. So is, is, he, is Jesus earlier saying, do not judge? Is he saying, don't make a decision about anything? Like, cl- clearly not. Like, because you'd have to make a decision not to make a decision, and that's just complicated. And so don't make any decisions. Maybe you hate to make decisions, and that sounds like a great idea. I've been told by the Lord never to decide anything again, so let's go to lunch wherever you want. Um, so funny. Uh, but then here's the next one. John 18, 31. Pilate said, take him yourselves. Talking about Jesus. He says, take him yourselves and crino him. Judge him by your own law. So here's that judge word again. Same word, a different usage. It's the second time we've seen it. And here he is saying, take him yourselves and courtroom him. Judge him. Like court of law. So Jesus says, do not judge. Is he saying, like, just do away with the court system? No, that's not it. Here's the third one. Comes out of 1 Corinthians. This is Paul again. Uh, He says, Therefore, crino, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Expose the motives of the heart. At that time, each will receive their praise from God, 1 Corinthians 4, 5. I think Paul thought Jesus was coming back after, like, lunch. He seems to have this understanding that you better keep it together because it could be any moment. So he says, with that understanding, therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. So there's that word. And then he says, wait until the Lord's come. Wait until the Lord comes, excuse me. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. That's something that God does. John 7 says, stop judging. Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Stop crinoing by appearance, but instead crino correctly. 
He basically says, stop judging that last way, the third way, trying to expose motives. Like, you can do that. Stop doing that. But instead, judge correctly. And he actually goes back to the first usage. He says, but instead, decide correctly. Stop playing God, but instead, make a better decision. That's essentially what John 7 saying. Stop judging as though you can figure everything out. But instead, he's like, go, go with that first version. Go decide better, essentially. Stop the third way. Instead, first way, you know? He's not saying don't, dis- don't like stop deciding things. He's not saying get rid of the court system. What he's doing is he's speaking about the way we draw conclusions about others. See where I'm going? Jesus is talking about the way that we draw conclusions about others. And in this sense, this third sense that he's alluding to, to judge someone is really to, uh, and essentially I've done this too, to my neighbor, it's to raise yourself by lowering the other. It's to make decisions about their motives. It's to make decisions that in your heart, in your mind, expose their motives. Like you figured them out and you've raised yourself up and lowered them down. And you could, if you could point out how they fall short, it, man, it highlights where you don't. If you can point out where your neighbor falls short and kind of push them down, it's going to make you look good. It's going to push you up. And Jesus is like, knock it off. To judge like that is, um, I just said it this way, it's to confuse someone's action with their identity. It's to make um, like declarative statements. It's to, to come to a final conclusion about their essence. I mean, like their identity, their worth. And Jesus is essentially saying, that's my job, that's God's job. Like, but we, we do this, and I've used this illustration a billion times. It's when you look at somebody and maybe they've hurt you or they've messed up, and they didn't just mess up, like they are a mess up. It's not just so much their action, it's, it's no, 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 that's who they are. They are deeply like flawed, off-center, less than, uh, and you've like assumed this divine responsibility for evaluating their worth. Um, and I, I made this point. It is so much easier to like see this when it's happening to you. Like self-reflection and self-examination is the only way you're ever going to see when you're doing it to someone else. So Jesus uses this ridiculous illustration. And I, I wonder if he like grabbed a big fat log, you know, and, like threw it up to his eye. I couldn't find a, a plank this morning. I don't own any planks. <laughs> um, so I brought like a Louisville slugger bat. Uh, an official Arizona Diamondbacks Louisville slugger bat. Thanks, Jeff. Um, and uh, I brought it and just threw it up to my face and kind of walked around the room. And, and it's theater. Jesus is being, he's being funny. He's like, why would you ever do this? You look like a clown. And um, people around are, it's clear, you know, when you got this fat plank on your face, it's clear. Everybody can see it. Hey, dude, you've, um, you've kind of got a... Uh, you got a thing there, but you're, you're critiquing and you're pointing out everyone's like sawdust, like sitting on their eye, like a little bit like an eyelash size thing that they've got. And what you're trying to do when you're judging someone this way, this is the way I see it. Uh, when I'm judging you, uh, especially if it's in a relationship or if I have some sort of authority over you, or if I'm in some sort of dynamic where I can affect you. If I can critique all those things, and if I can point them out, and if I can highlight those things in your life, I'm controlling you. I get, I get control in that conversation. I get control in that relationship. I get control in that environment, whatever it is. I get to control you by correcting you, criticizing you, even shaming you. You see, judgment is like underneath it all. It's about control. You, you have these like power statements like, you always 
do that. You, you never do this. And there's a sermon for another day, but like shaming doesn't motivate anyone. But it, it's this temptation for everyone. Okay, and so clearly that doesn't work. And so Jesus goes, yo, you've got a baseball bat coming out of your face when you're walking around pointing at everyone else's like sawdust. And then he has this like crazy, all right, so here's how I could understand. I, as you put the sermon together, like we were in Matthew 6 forever. Let's, I'm going to flip there for a second. Matthew chapter 6, this is just context of the conversation that he's having. And he started with this. In chapter 6, this is so familiar to so many of us, but let me highlight this. It's another sermon for another day, but it's, it's helpful for me understanding Matthew 7. Matthew 6, 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So you're not in heaven, you're on earth. You're just let that humble you. And then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then here it is. Give us today our daily bread. So today, bread. And forgive us our debts, our sins. That's in the past. And, and as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I, I see that. And an easy glance, just take a minute and look at it. And what he's basically done is gone past, present, future. You're a spiritual being with a past. You have a past and the prayer Jesus offers us to offer him is forgive us. That takes care of the past. Give us today our daily bread. That takes care of the present. And deliver us. That takes care of the future. And he's teaching us how to trust. Like he's teaching us how to not walk around full of anxiety and fear. It's the simple, like humble trust in chapter 6 that he's trying to develop and then right after that, in verse 25, chapter 6, he says, Therefore I tell you, don't, don't worry. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you're going to wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? And then he's talking about birds, and he just goes on about flowers. And he's like, what are you worried about? Like, if you're worrying excessively, I promise I'm going somewhere with this. If you're worrying excessively, you probably haven't fully entrusted the result of all that worry is anxiety. And at the end of the worry section, what, what's happening at the end of chapter 6? All of a sudden, he goes from worry to judgment. And what the heck does judging have to do with eating and drinking? What does judging have to do with eating and drinking? Uh, everything. What? Yeah, no, 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 everything. Judging is, let me explain it this way. Judging is about, okay, like how I relate to others. Okay, so if I've entrusted myself fully to God and I've entrusted everyone else fully to God, you're, you're a mess in need of daily grace, asterisk, clearly. But judging is about how I relate to others. And I'm, I'm called to entrust myself fully to God and, and to entrust everyone else fully to God. And if I don't entrust everyone else fully to God, then I'm gonna wanna control them. Like if I haven't trusted that, like God is actually God, and at the end of the day, he's like ultimately in control, then I'm gonna wanna be in control. If, if I'm not so sure of that, then I'm gonna wanna manipulate, I'm gonna wanna coerce, I'm gonna wanna do whatever I can, uh, I'm gonna wanna play God, right? Maybe you're just trying to keep everything in order, but really at the heart of that, you're trying to take over for Jesus. And then he says, don't put your pearls before swine. What? 
Oh, I got some pearls from the Philippines. Went out there in 03. They're pretty. Uh, the girl at the cart said they were real. She was a liar. <laughs> They're not real. These are as plastic as my McDonald's Dr. Pepper cup. Man, I don't have a Dr. Pepper from McDonald's. Now I want one. But don't put your pearls before swine. Okay. Is like, that been a problem for you? <laughs> like you started out, oh, you know. I mean, it's in the Bible, so you'd assume at the time when they wrote it down, it was a problem for some people. And, you know, maybe they just... Wrong crowd, you know, started out hanging out with some people I shouldn't hung out with. And, and then, you know, it started with one pearl. And then, I'm being just kind of stupid right now. But how the heck are pigs and pearls related? It's, this is the craziest collection of metaphors ever. What do pigs have to do with pearls? And they're going to trample them under their feet and then turn and tear me to pieces? Like you throw enough pearls at a pig and it tramples you first of all how does it anyway i don't know how pigs ever going to trample me okay it's going to take like at least seven pigs okay probably ten how are pearls and pigs related um this next section my friends is really for the parents um and this is one that uh, it kind of hit me a couple weeks ago uh i was having just a great conversation with griff we have these like amazing conversations throughout not throughout the day but like the last like seven minutes of the day everything else is like Fortnite. <laughs> Uh, you know, I usually am the one that starts it. Sorry, you grow up. How are pearls and pigs related? Well, a pearl, as I'm sitting here looking at it, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a good thing. It's beautiful, and it's good. You know who probably can't appreciate the beauty of a pearl? A pig. Jesus is saying, right, look what he's done here. All right, let's go backwards before I tell you. <laughs> He invited us to like fully entrust. Why do I keep saying like, like, like? I keep noticing that. So I just love room to grow. He like and totally, he invited us to trust, to entrust our lives. And when we don't, what do we do? We worry. And he invited us to entrust others. And when we don't, we try to control. We try to manipulate. Sometimes you'll try to manipulate with judging and critique and condemnation. But sometimes we try to control with pearls. We try to manipulate with good things. We try to control people with good and beautiful things. What does that mean? Like think of the kid who grew up in the Christian home and then senior year was over and college began and they didn't just skip town, they skipped they skipped faith just all together. They just bailed. And maybe for that kid, when it was shoved down their throat, maybe it wasn't even shoved down their throat. Maybe, this is, this, is, this is tough, but maybe it was these good things that we have handed you know, the kids over the years. Maybe we were subconsciously trying to control them. And they, they might have been reacting to that. And I was a youth pastor for like forever, longer than... I thought I'd make it. <laughs> uh, and I do. I look back on seasons where I was just trying to get kids to like stop hooking up. <laughs> I was trying to get them to behave a certain way. I was trying to get them to not do certain things that I'd done. So I'd try to, I had this like beautiful thing to offer them. But truly, like, I think if I slow down and think about my motives, like if I let my motives be exposed, 
I may have subconsciously or fully consciously at times been trying to use the pearls of the faith, this, all these good things from Sundays to Wednesdays to lock-ins to studies to conversations, all those things, uh, I might have been trying to control them and they might have picked up on that. And when they bailed, they might have just been reacting to that because they're smart. Uh, now, I'm not saying, like, don't educate your kids. I'm not saying give up on the youth. I'm not saying offer, don't offer good things to people. But I am saying this is another moment for Jesus here where he's going, what are your motives? And are you not, if you're not careful, like, yeah, that you're going to get trampled by this because you're going to spend years trying to control someone even with good things. But your motives are impure. So I had this conversation with Griffin the other day. I told you, and I essentially, like, there's these moments where he feels like he's fully listening and understanding. I sure hope so. Or he's nodding his head and smiling at least. And I just said to him, essentially, I just said, hey, buddy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to um, set the best example for you that I can. I'm just going to try to really take good care of you. But I told him, I was like, someday I'm fully aware that you get to like leave the house and you get to go make your own decisions. And I, I hope you make the right decisions. I know you won't always, bud, but I just said, I, I, I can't control you. And <laughs> I remember he tilted his head like, you can't? I was like, I can. <laughs> but in the sense that like, yeah, he's, he's just a kid right now and he's gonna be a teenager sort of soon. And if you're listening and you've got kids or you got them all grown up out of the house, or maybe someday you're hoping to have kids, you can't control, you can control them. And it's gonna backfire. If you're not careful, if you're too hard on someone you're in a relationship with, whether it's kids or not, and you're trying to control them, even with pearls, Jesus says that that could really go bad. I'm not saying don't give people good things. That sounds insane. But what Jesus seems to be saying is even just entrust the people in your life fully that God's got it, that he's got them. And that's actually the only way you're ever going to be able to help someone. Like to go back to that speck and plank idea. He was like, first take care of the plank and then you might actually be able to help someone. So, so that means I, I've got to like take a serious moral inventory and own the areas where I'm still planking. I don't mean that in like the 2013 trendy laying on your face in the airport way. I mean where I'm still holding on to that plank and smashing into things every day because it's awkward to walk around with your plank. I mean, it's surrendering like the illusion of control that you have. <laughs> You're not in control. You're not. I'm not. And then when you get there, you can actually go, okay, birds, lilies, flowers of the field, God of the universe, past, present, and future, he's got it. Then you can help people with like the little specks. So... And trusting others really means like, yeah, I'd do anything for you. You know that I would do anything for you. I love you. I love you. And I would, I would do anything for you, but I can't control anything. And so we have to live in that tension. Because critiquing and condemning and judging will make you miserable. And your plank's just going to smash into everything. So I don't have a really strong final word about my neighbor, but I do know that it's easy for me to put him in a box 
it's easy for me to assume that my motives are so pure and that everything I'm doing is so right and he's so wrong, but it could be, it could be that there's, there's a little bit of right in his wrong <laughs> and there's a little bit of wrong in my right and there might be a whole lot of wrong in my right and I've just got to trust that there, are, there is a time to speak up and to speak out and there is a time to protect um, this job of judging others is not my job. It's not your job. Yes, you can protect. But when you push someone down to make yourself look better, when you push someone down even to make them look bad, Jesus clearly says that's not going to go well for you. It's just not. So my friends, Matthew 7 is brutal. It's Jesus saying... You have some serious work to do if you want to be healthy. And this is me saying, so do I. And uh, if you want to join us sometime at Prodigal Church, love it. We'd love to have you. Uh, We try to put our planks at the front door next to the shoes. (laughs) And we try to walk around that place honest about um, how hard we can make it on ourselves and how hard it is to do all the things we've been called to, but how ridiculously loved and accepted and pursued we are in the midst of this unbelievable miracle that is life. It's a gift, my friends. And as my friend Ryan, another Ryan, says, this is all a gift. Life is a gift and love is the point. So do your best with that, my friends. Take a deep breath and go do whatever you're doing. I hope this was helpful for you. Matthew 7, coming to life for me. It's all connected. Chapter 6, chapter 7. All this is so beautiful. So Hope it was helpful. Hope you have a fantastic day. Take care.